Hey, this is Aaron Brockett, lead pastor of Traders Point Church. Regardless of where you are tuning in around the world or if you call Indianapolis home, I just wanna thank you for tuning in to our weekly message podcast. Our prayer and desire is that God would take the content of these messages and use it to encourage you in your relationship with Jesus as you discover God's purpose for your life. Well, what's good, church? How are we today? Awesome, awesome. If you're at uh, our other campuses, if you're at North or downtown or West, or you're watching online, we're thrilled to have you with us today. If you're here for the first time, we're super excited to have you with us. My name is Petey, I'm one of, the, uh, one of the pastors around here. And if you have a Bible or uh, a Bible app on your phone, go ahead and grab it and get to Ephesians chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible or a Bible app, you can download our Traders Point Church app and it'll take you there to the sermon notes as well. Um, but, you know, we're, we're here at a really exciting week for the life of our church. We are rolling up. We are five days away from the party of the year. Special needs prom is on its way. It's about to be killer. I'm telling you, if you aren't signed up to serve yet, you are missing out. I have never met one person who regretted being a part of prom. It is just an incredible opportunity to experience something you'll never experience outside of it. It's the best party in Indianapolis throughout the whole year. You still got time to sign up. It's coming up this Friday night. Can't wait for it. And then we got growth track like we do every single week now. Your best next step, if you're new, if you're looking to get connected, is to jump on growth track. It doesn't matter if you're here for week four and it's your first week. You can jump in on it right now at week four. It's about 30 to 40 minutes right after service. You can leave your kids checked into kids ministry. It's the best way for you to start getting connected and start growing around here. So growth track, make sure you don't miss it. Well, today in, in Ephesians 4, here, I, I want to kind of give you just like the, the, the bottom line up front. Here's, here's where we're, what we're going to tackle today. If you're here and, and you have ever felt like following Jesus was difficult, today's for you. All right, if you've ever felt like it was a struggle and that you may actually not be that good at it, uh, today's for you. And now if you're here and you wouldn't consider yourself a follower of Jesus, that's perfect. You are here on just the right day because I think this is going to give you an inside peek, kind of a sneak peek as to what it's really like to be a person of faith. Because I think sometimes the idea we get in our head of what it's like to be a person of faith is different than what it is in reality. All right, but before we jump into Ephesians 4, actually, if you really want to understand Ephesians 4, you got to understand something that Paul the guy who wrote this letter to the church in Ephesus, which is what, why we call it Ephesians. It's written to the people who live in Ephesus. you got to understand something he experienced before he wrote this letter. Because Paul actually spent some time in the city called Ephesus before he wrote the letter several years prior. He actually spent a couple years there. And, and, and in those two years, he, he saw some things happen that he could not unsee, right? He, he, he saw some miraculous things happen. And actually, Paul spent two years there intellectually contending for the message of Jesus. It says that he actually taught in a public lecture hall for two years. And what he's doing is really trying to set up just intellectually what does it mean to follow Jesus and why is Jesus worth our time and why is Jesus worth our attention. But alongside that intellectual contending for the gospel, for the message of Jesus, there were all these other things happening, like all these miraculous things happening, like people's lives were being changed in such a way that no one could really intellectually explain it, it, it was just it was different and so when you combine those two things together the intellectual contending for the message of Jesus and the miraculous life change that no one could explain those two things together produced some really incredible results and Paul saw, saw something in, in, in incredible happen in the city of Ephesus both citywide and then he saw an event 
He saw something happen that he could not unsee, and it would shape him forever. Anytime he thought about Ephesus and these people in, in, in that city that were following Jesus, he would think about this crazy experience. I want to read it to you real quick. It's not in Ephesians 4, but just stick with me. It's in Acts chapter 19. I'm going to read it to you. The verse will be on the screen. It says this, A solemn fear descended on the city. And the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. That literally across the entire city, people who didn't even believe in Jesus, who were far from God, were like, man, I, I just respect and I'm starting to honor the name of Jesus. And I'm starting to like just have this healthy like reverence and fear of God. And I'm starting to understand like it, it swept over the whole city. Then he started seeing things happen individually. It said, many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. And now here's the specific event that he saw that he could not unsee. He had seen too much after this. It says, a number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. The value of the books was several million dollars. Now, pause. I know where your brain is. I know if you're like here and you're skeptical of all this, you're like, oh, great. Here we go. The Bible's like in Harry Potter land now. We're like Hogwarts in this thing. Like, what is going to happen here? But you understand, like when you study first century you see that like sorcery was just like this kind of way of, of thinking. It was, like, it was like a philosophical viewpoint of the world where they believed that they could manipulate the spiritual realm to their benefit. It, it, it's actually no different than some of the things you would find in like a self-help section today in our bookstores, like the power of positive thinking. You know, it's just like something we kind of like, we don't really know a lot about, but we think it might work. We don't know. And so there's books written. This was like a whole way of life for people. And so all these people that were, that were living this way and teaching sorcery and, and practicing it and trying to get others to do it, they started following Jesus. And not only did they start following Jesus, they took an extreme action to ensure their loyalty to Jesus. They took all their books worth several millions of dollars. This is not like you got some books that you don't read anymore, you take them to half-price books and you get like a quarter for them. Several millions of dollars worth of books. And they brought them out in public. They said, I don't want to sell them on Craigslist. I don't want to sell them on eBay. I don't want them in circulation. I don't, I, 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 I don't want them in my closet. I don't want to touch them anymore because it's not the way. It's not the truth. It's not the life. And they publicly burned several millions of dollars worth of books to ensure that they would never go back to their old way of life. And Paul, once he saw that, he couldn't unsee it. It, it was an extreme act of devotion. It was an extreme act of faithfulness. And it would influence what he says in Ephesians chapter 4. All right, so now let's jump in with that as our setup. Let's go Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. If you're with me, I need you to help me preach this today. Look to your neighbor. Tell him, let's go. That was weak. You kidding me? Like, I said, I said, I need help today. Turn to your neighbor and say, let's go. Much better. Y'all crazy. Y'all crazy. Ephesians 4, verse 17. It starts like this. It says, with the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their, their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life that God gives because they've closed their minds and they've hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and they eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Whew, hot takes. Now I know... If you're here and, and, and you wouldn't consider yourself a follower of Jesus, you're like, wow, is that what you guys think about the culture outside of people who follow Jesus? Like you think, because that's a scathing review. That, that, that is, that's no joke. That's some serious words. But you need to understand, very, very important for all of us, both believers and non-believers in the room. It's very important to remember who Paul's writing to. Okay, Paul is writing to people who love Jesus. And he's saying, people who love Jesus, 
you should act like you love Jesus. Right? Like you shouldn't, you shouldn't live like the culture around you. You've been taught different. You should live like a follower of Jesus. So but Paul wasn't talking to people outside the church and saying, you, you sinful people, man. Like stop doing what you're doing and come over and do what we do. Like you're a bunch of sinners. I think sometimes we get that mixed up in the church. Paul was saying to people who love Jesus, you should act like people who love Jesus. And when you get that order, when you get that order wrong, you start focusing on all the things you're doing wrong and all the things you need to do that you're not doing. And, and, and if you go there first before you start with Jesus, all kinds of things get messed up. See, if you're here, no matter which campus you're at right now, and you don't believe in Jesus, you don't need to worry about all the commands and the do's and the don'ts that, 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 uh, that the New Testament teaches us. All the things that God says you should and shouldn't do, man, wait on that. You first and foremost need to consider Jesus. Jesus is the one that you should focus on because you need to understand who Jesus is and why he loves you and just how far he went to show you that he loves you. And once you understand that, once you understand just how much he's desperate for a relationship with you, and you start to love Jesus, oh, then all the other stuff starts to fall in place. Then you start to understand that like the, the commands of the New Testament, the, the, the things you should and shouldn't do according to the Bible are actually not random. <laughs> They're not arbitrary. It's, it's, it's not as if God is this like, you know, father up in the sky who's just randomly parenting his kids and saying, hey, I've got some pet peeves. Don't do those things. Do these things. Ah, flavor of the day. Like, honestly, sometimes I parent my kids kind of just like random and arbitrary, right? Like, I remember just the other day, I was, I was uh, talking to my seven-year-old son, Emmett, and I said, Emmett, turn the TV off, video game time is over, screen time's done. And he was like, Dad, I just started like five minutes ago. I said, hey, because I said so, screen time's over. I had no good reason to do that. I just kind of wanted to flex my parental muscle a little bit, kind of keep him in check, let him know who's boss. I had no good reason for that, you know, other than the fact that, like, he's already had enough screen time at age seven to last a lifetime, so, like, he's okay. But, like, I had no reason. I'm sure Emmett left that, like, I don't know why I'm not doing this, but okay, here we go. I think sometimes we feel that way about God when you get the order wrong. Like, why would I do that with my life? Why would I obey that? Why? No, no, no. It all makes sense when you start with Jesus and you start with his love because then you understand that he's a good father. And, and, and he, what he asks you to do and what he asks you not to do is out of his love for you. He wants to protect you. One, one pastor put it like this. Sin breaks God's heart because sin breaks people. Like sin has consequences, negative, negative effects on the quality of your life and on your heart and on your soul and on your mind, and it causes pain. And many of us in the room can attest to that. But you need to understand, if you don't believe in Jesus, man, just start with Jesus. Let all, that stuff, uh, let all that other stuff happen at the right time and in the right place once you understand who he is. But for Christians in the room, it's a different deal. For Christians in the room, uh, he says, don't live like the culture around you. And if you're like me, I can attest to that. That is way easier said than done. Way easier said than done. And Paul's about to explain why that is. Paul's going to explain why it's so hard to follow Jesus and what we can actually do about it. And we're going to spend the rest of our time in these next five verses. So let's read it together, starting in verse 20. It says, but that, his scathing review of the culture around them, that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. 
Paul says you should throw off your sinful nature, your former way of life. You should put on your new nature. It's like Paul's saying that, hey, this following Jesus thing ain't easy because it's not automatic. There's some things you got to like do. Like by show of hands at, at, at all of our campuses, how many of you drive a car that has automatic transmission? By show of hands at all campuses? Okay. By show of hands at all campuses, how many of you drive a car that has a manual transmission, a stick shift? What are you doing? <laughs> all right, like I, I love you, but like why? Why are you doing that? You know, I, I love driving with some of my friends that, 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 uh, that drive a stick shift. It's just so fun to watch because everything's moving. It's like the foot's over here moving. They're going down. They, it's always doing this. and They're switching hands. And it's just like a full body workout driving on these things. Like you don't have to do that. Technology did its thing, okay? It's automated. Do you know what you could do with your free hand? You could like hold a cheeseburger while you're driving. You could drink a soda. You could like don't text and drive. But you could do so many other things. But you keep going. It's all right. But Paul's saying, like, hey, like, following Jesus isn't automatic. There's, like, it's actually a little bit more complicated than that. You see, as, as, as I was studying this passage and, and thinking through, like, what God was wanting to speak to me, and actually this is a passage, along with several other passages similar to this, that are written by Paul in the New Testament. I studied some of these earlier in the summer in my own time with the Lord, and and, and I was asking God the two questions that we always ask of the Bible. And anytime you read a passage of the Bible, you should ask, what's God saying to me? And then what am I going to do about it? Like, how, how am I going to respond? And so I was asking God, you know, God, like, what are you saying to me in this? And I felt like God kept giving me this kind of visual to help me understand what Paul's talking about here. And, and, and the visual, I, I, I remember drawing it out in my journal. The, the visual was of like two islands. Okay, so like, on, like over here on this side, you've got like the old place you used to live, your old life. Like the, the, the place you grew up in, kind of your, your, your former residence. The old island. And this is how you used to live before Jesus. Right? It's, 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 it's a lot of what Paul's talking about in his review of the culture. We mostly live for ourselves. We mostly live for our own happiness and our own goodness, or at least the happiness and goodness of the people closest to us. And, 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 and in the end, that affects our happiness and, and, and our well-being. And, and a lot of us made a lot of mistakes along the way. Right? We, we've hurt a lot of people in the process by living for ourselves and doing whatever we wanted to do with our lives. But in the end... With your old life, you were in charge. And you, meaning me and all of us, we all made a mess of it. <laughs> and whether you actually have like painful decisions you made that people know about, or you were just like a good boy or good girl, and you developed a super thick sense of self-righteousness and pride, which you realize is actually just as dangerous as some of the overt stuff that everyone sees. Either way, we were messed up. And either way, all of us, like, we sat in this old way of life, this former way of life, and none of us were satisfied. Like, none of us felt like it was enough. Like, surely there has to be more to life than this. And, and now, because of Jesus, because of what he did for us when he died on the cross and he resurrected from the grave, and, and, and the life that he gives us, for those of us who have put our trust in Jesus and, and, and we've decided to follow Jesus, he, he gives us a new island to live on. Gives us a new place to go. And, and, and life over here, when you're following Jesus, oh, man, it is incredible. It's amazing because you wake up every day and you're like, my goodness, my sins are forgiven. It doesn't matter how bad I screwed up yesterday. I've got a brand new start today. Every day you have a clean slate. Every day you wake up with hope. You wake up with joy. You wake up with peace. It's just unbelievable. You start to see life in a whole different view. It's just so incredible. And it doesn't mean that bad stuff doesn't happen to you. 
It just means that when bad stuff happens to you, you have a different way to handle it and a different way to work through it. It's just a different perspective on life. And it's just so much better, right? And, and now the, the problem is, like, you would think that the moment you decide to become a Christian and the moment you decide to start following Jesus, you'd think that it would just be like a simple change of address form. <laughs> like, you used to live here. Then you heard the message about Jesus, you decided to start following him, and so you change the address, form that thing, and now you live over here. And some of you that, like, you can remember your baptism, and you remember how amazing that was, and how you came up out of that water, and people were cheering for you, and all of heaven was celebrating that you had given your life to Jesus. And in that moment, you thought, there will never come a day where I don't live for Jesus, until you woke up the next day. <laughs> but you'd think it'd be just that easy, right? you think it'd be automatic, but it's not automatic. Because what happens is between the island of our old life and the island of our new life, there are some bridges. There are some bridges that, that connect the two, that take us back to our old way of life. So like there's some, there's some thoughts that enter our mind that lead us back to our old ways. There are some, some actions that we take. There's some opportunities. There's some temptations. There's some relationships. There's some things in our life that connect us back to our old way of living. And, and we spend much of our lives as followers of Jesus walking this bridge back and forth. We have a sinful nature, Paul says, that draws us over here. And we have a, a, a new nature in us through the Holy Spirit that pulls us over here. And we spend a lot of time going back and forth, back and forth between our old and our new. Like, for instance, think about money for a second. All right? um, money, which is a huge stressor for all of us. There's so many people at different, different points in life. And, um, but man, as a follower of Jesus, it's just different. Because like as a follower of Jesus, you realize that you don't have to worry about money. Because God says if you'll seek his kingdom first, he'll take care of you. Now that does not mean you're going to be rich. Don't let a preacher tell you that. That does not mean that you're going to have the exact quality of life and an exact standard of living that you want. Don't let a preacher tell you that. It just means that you're going to have what you need. Because your Heavenly Father's there for you. He's going to take care of you. He's, he's going to give you what you need. He, he's watching out for you. And it's just so amazing to be freed from that worry. You know, and like you start to view money not as this like thing that makes you sleep well at night. And not this like, you know, like weird snuggy thing you got going on. No, money is a tool that you can now use because you don't have to worry about it. You can use it as a tool to show generosity and love to other people. Because, man, God's been awful generous to you. And so now you're free to be generous to other people and show God's love in that way. It's incredible. But, but the problem is there are bridges that lead us back to our old way of thinking about money. Right? You get that bill that comes in the mail that you're like, whoa, wasn't expecting that one. How am I going to pay for that? You, you, you go through that unexpected job loss and you're like, man, I'm so worried about money. Or your stocks take a hit. You know, your, your retirement's coming up and you're thinking like, oh, gosh, how am I going to handle this? And all of a sudden those bridges bring you right back over. And you're living the way you used to live. You're, you're stressed and you're worried, and so you do what you used to do in your former way of life. And, and again, this doesn't affect how God loves you. Like, you walk the bridge and you come over here, God loves you. His love for you does not change. But your quality of life changes. Because you start thinking and worrying and stressing, and you start going back and working extra hours and putting in overtime and doing what it takes to get the promotion, doing what it takes to get the bonus, doing what it takes to earn for you. Because on this side, in this old way of life, if you don't watch out for you, nobody's watching out for you. It's just a different way of living, way different. I mean, we, we can talk about sexuality. We're going to hit all the big ones today. Well, money and sex, back to back. 
Think about sexuality for a second. As a follower of Jesus, it's this amazing thing where like, you have been freed from your sexuality being the thing that defines you. I mean, you want to talk about the primary difference between a person of faith and the culture around us. You are not defined by your sexuality. In fact, the heroes of our faith in the New Testament, Jesus and Paul, were single men who lived a life of celibacy. Like You have the example to follow, and you have the power from within because of the Holy Spirit to control your urges and control your desires and, and, and not, not live like the culture around us. But even if you're married, you start to see, and, and even if you're not married, you see it. You know that sex is such a significant, uh, uh, emotionally significant, spiritually significant thing in your life that if you use it in the wrong context, it's dangerous. It, it lands people in counseling all the time. It, it, and it brings baggage into your life and pain into your life. But you realize that like in the proper context, like what God, God said it should be in, within the context between a man and a woman in the midst of a, of a committed covenant. Like when you stood before God and a whole bunch of people and you said, I do forever. Within that context right there, that sexuality can actually serve to strengthen that commitment. Strengthen that unity. But man, outside of that, whoo, it's dangerous. But you've got the strength to, to live in purity. But oh man, there are some bridges. Oh, there are some bridges that lead you back. You get on social media. You get on your phone. You get on the computer. And you're two clicks away from being right back where you were. Thinking like, man, if I don't, if I don't gratify these desires and I don't do something with this, I'm, I'm never going to be okay. And, and, and how will I ever feel loved? And how will I ever feel accepted? And how, how will I ever feel fulfilled and satisfied? Even though you remember on this side, you remember that sexuality does not fulfill you. It does not satisfy you in the end. You know because you've been over there that the only thing that satisfies you is a relationship with God. You've experienced it, but you come over here, you keep coming back, you, you, you insert a cheap substitute for sex. You, you, get, you get caught up in porn, you get caught up in, 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 in um, hooking back up with old flames from high school and college through social networking. I mean, you, you, you get caught up in all kinds of crazy stuff. You, you end up living with your boyfriend or your girlfriend because it makes financial sense. Oh, also, the sex is good. I mean, come on, like you, like you know, like we take these bridges and then we cross right back into our old way of life. I mean, we could keep going on and on and on, but the truth is we spend so much of our Christian lives just going back and forth, back and forth. It's like we don't know who we want to be. Like we have our nature that pulls us over here. We have our sinful nature that pulls us over here. Like we just don't know where to go. And, and, and the unfortunate reality is that many of us are like getting our Fitbit steps on with this bridge. Like we're putting in so many steps back and forth. Like our Apple Watch rings are closing left and right, man. You got that move goal. You got that exercise goal. You in, man. You got... But it's wearing us out. Oh, it's, it's wearing us out. There are too many of us at every campus that are exhausted. Like, we don't have a fresh faith. We've got an exhausted faith. We've got a discouraged faith. We think, like, I'll never be able to do it. I mean, some of us are so ashamed that there's even bridges in our life. We think, I've been following Jesus for too long to still be walking across that bridge. I'm so ashamed. We're discouraged, we're exhausted, we're tired. But this is what we do. And Paul seems to think in Ephesians chapter 4 that we are not powerless in this. Paul seems to believe that there's something we can actually do about it. Right? He, he says there's some actions that you should take, some action things he says to do. He says, throw off your old nature. That's on you, that's on me. Put on your new nature. That's on you, that's on me. Like, and remember, Paul is operating off of this memory, this experience he had, where he saw men and women 
burned millions of dollars worth of books to ensure that they never went back to their old life. You see, when I was journaling through this and letting God work me over in this, there were some things in my life that I knew he was telling me I needed to change. I mean, I'll, I'll give one of them to you. There was a way that I felt like God was telling me that I was coping with my feelings and, and, and coping with uh, sadness. Uh, some things I was doing to, to medicate that. Primarily, it's going to sound funny, but I was eating my feelings. I don't know if y'all can relate. You have a bad week? I'm going to get that box of zebra cakes, though. <laughs> bad week. I'm going to crush all them peanut M&Ms, though. It's going to be good. It sounds funny, but like God was very convicting in that moment to me. That you could substitute what I just said with any hard drug, any alcohol, any entertainment. I mean, it was I was I was doing something to cope with my emotions, something to cope with my negative reality that was not good for me. It's not who God has called me to be. See, God wants me to, to turn to Him when I'm not having a good week. God wants me to turn to him when I don't feel right. God wants me to turn to him when I'm feeling depressed. God wants me to let him comfort me and him teach me and him guide me and him correct me. He, he doesn't want zebra cakes to be my counselor. He's my counselor. God wanted me to turn to him. And here, here's, here's the reality. That God was pressing into my heart as Petey. If you want to be the man that, you, that I've created you to be, and stop going back to your old life, you've got to burn the bridges you got to be done with them. you got to burn the bridges because they're entirely optional. Most of the bridges in your life that you walk back over to your old life, man, they are there by your choice and by my choice. You can burn the bridges. Paul remembered these guys taking extreme action, burning their books, so there's no chance. Paul would write in Romans, give no provision for your flesh. Give it no chance to walk back. Don't give it anything to walk across to to your old self. Burn the bridges. And so like... The question to you, if I were to give you a can of gasoline right now, and I were to give you a lighter, and I were to douse a bridge with gasoline, and burn it down, and that would be the difference between you living a life that God's called you to live, and you continuing to walk back and forth on the bridge, what would the bridge be that you need to burn down? What's the thing that you need to get rid of in your life? That it's there by choice. Like you, you don't have to have that in your life. You can burn that bridge to the ground. You can do whatever it takes to make sure that you never go back to your old ways. Is it a toxic relationship in your life? Is it, is it a friend that when you call him, when you go and hang out with him, man, you always end up gossiping again? You always end up slandering everybody you know? And you end up leaving that conversation every time or that hangout every time, just feeling horrible about yourself, knowing that that's not who God's called you to be. Well, guess what? You can burn the bridge. That, 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 you being in that relationship is entirely optional. That is your choice. And if you can't handle it, if it leads you back to your old way of life, you may need to burn the bridge. Is it a significant other, a boyfriend, a girlfriend that you've been living with? You've been, doing, you've been with them for a long time and you love them but you've also been with them long enough to know, like, they probably are who they are. And you also know that they're leading you to a way of life that's not what God's called you to. God's called you to live over here. And so maybe you need to take extreme action and douse that bridge with gasoline and burn it. 
Is it, a, is it a crew of people that, that, that always seems to invite you to hang out and, 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 and every time you go hang out with them, every time you say yes, it's so fun and it's incredible, but you always end up staying out a little too late and you always end up drinking a little too much and you always end up regretting it? It's your choice. You can burn that bridge to the ground. Is it something you're consuming right now? Is there something in your fridge? Is there something in your pantry? Is there something in your bedside table? And when life gets hard, you're not turning to God, you're turning to that and it's leading you right back to your old way of life. It's in there by your choice. It's optional. You can burn it to the ground. You can give your flesh no option to go back to that. I, I think for many of us, I know this is not a fun one to talk about. I think for many of us, it's the, it's the almighty phones that we carry around with us and we're obsessed with and I'm right there with you. But I think we're going to look back in a few generations and look at a whole bunch of us that never realized their full potential of who God wanted them to be because our nose was buried in a little tiny screen. I, I'm, clapping I, I'm clapping because I'm talking about myself. You know it's optional, right? You know that you don't have to have a smartphone. It's not like an like obligation as an American. It's optional. Like for some of you guys, it, 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 maybe you keep your phone because you got to have it for work or whatever, but some of the apps you have on your phone are actually the bridges that are taking you back to your old self. I mean, for some of y'all, Instagram... Come on now. Instagram is like the ultimate app that leads us down some horrible roads. I love Instagram. I'm on there, man. Love it. But you know that for some of us, we start looking at other people's profiles and other people's pictures, and man, we just go right back to that comparison trap. And all of a sudden, we're back over here. We feel horrible about ourselves, and our life is garbage, and our marriage doesn't look as good as theirs, and their kids look way more well-behaved than ours. And really, all you're seeing is that person's highlight reel. I mean, y'all know that, right? Like just yesterday... Uh, my, my wife posted some pictures of my kids on Facebook or on, on, on Instagram, and, and, and we were at a pumpkin patch. You know, like pumpkin patch, fall, Indiana stuff. Awesome. And it looked incredible. They looked so cute. Everybody was smiling. You know what? In reality, it was just okay. <laughs> it actually wasn't that great, okay? It was cold. It was muddy. Pumpkins were a bit overpriced. Kids didn't have that great of a time. They were all miserable. They looked like they were smiling because I bribed them with screen time. Smile, you get screen time. And then they look perfect. Then they go back to whining and complaining, okay? It was not that great. It's a highlight reel. But some of those things, like some of these apps, like we, we are so, we're so caught up and we think, it's, we think we have to have it. Like how could we exist without it? But it's the bridge that's leading us back to our old selves. Some of us have got to, we've got to get real about this. It is unbelievable how much pornography is killing the church in America. Not just men, women too. This is not just a male thing. And it's because it's so easy. You're two clicks away from it. You're a couple taps on your phone away from it. And, and, and I believe Paul would just say, you need to take some extreme action and you need to burn the bridges. You need to do whatever it takes to give your flesh no option, to give your sinful nature no option to go back to your old way of life. I'm not, actually going, I'm not actually going to burn this thing to the ground. I thought about it, though, man. <laughs> Hashtag preaching goals, burn stuff on stage. One day I'll get there. That day is not today, but, man, I really wanted to. I was like, ah, I don't know if this, I don't know if the sprinkler, I don't know, I don't know. I was out. Maybe another time. But you've got to burn the bridges. And that's something you can do. But once you do that, and some of you in the room have been doing that, you understand that you can burn every bridge in your life that is leading you back to your old way, and yet there are still some bridges that remain. There are some bridges that actually we can't burn. 
And, you know, and Paul knew that. If you, if you go back to Ephesians 4, sandwiched right in between the put on your new nature, throw off your old nature, put on, throw on, the things you can do, sandwiched right between is verse 23, and it says this. It says, instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. See, because there are some bridges that you cannot burn, and you've been trying for a long time. So you, you, can put, you, you can do all kinds of things to ensure that you don't go back to your old sinful nature, but there's some bridges like the bridge of pride where internally you just think you're the stuff. And, and, and you can't stand it when other people get recognized and get celebrated because it just feels like, man, do people not notice me? You can't burn that bridge. Only God can break your pride. That's a, that's a bridge that only God can burn down. Like, like some, some of us have, a, have just a, an envious or a lustful heart. We're never content with what we've got. And you, you, can, you can do all the wise financial planning in the world, you can do all, but you can't change a heart that's not content. You can't change a heart that constantly looks to other people and says, I wish I had what they had. That's something only God can do. You, you, you can't change a, a, a heart of anger. I mean, no, no amount of wise decisions will change the fact that you snap on your kids, you snap on your spouse, you snap on your friends when you're tired. That, that's, a, that's an attitude, that's a heart issue that only God can change. And I'm just telling you, God can do it. What you can't do, he can. And I think there would be no prayer that God would rather hear from his people, from a beloved son or a beloved daughter, than an honest prayer of humility that says, Jesus, I love you and I'm doing everything I can to follow you. I'm doing everything I can to burn every bridge that might lead me back to my old self. I'm burning them all down. I'm working hard, I'm doing everything I can, which you know that's what a fresh faith looks like, right? A, a, a fresh faith is not like, you know, like a, a, a brand new shirt or a brand new pair of shoes, and you're like, ah, ah, it's unused, looking good, it's fresh. No, man, a fresh faith is dirty. It's nitty-gritty. It's like nose to the ground, hard work, and doing the things that nobody likes to do to ensure that you don't go back to your old way of life. A fresh faith is hard working like that. And for, for a follower of Jesus to come up and say, God, I'm doing everything I can. I'm, I'm doing everything I possibly can within my power to throw off my old nature, to put on my new nature. But God, there's still this, this bridge, and I can't, I can't burn it. And God, I need you, like I can't, but God, I, I believe you can. And you come up to God and you ask that. I'm telling you, there's not a prayer that he would love to answer more than that. I think some of you have been trying to burn down the same bridge over and over and over, and God wants to say to you today, stop trying, let me do it. Come and ask me to change your heart. Come and ask me to fix what you can't fix on the inside. Jesus would say it like this in Matthew 7. He says, keep on asking. Oh, I love this. Keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you'll find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. We just need to get more serious about asking our Heavenly Father to do what only He can do. And do like what the prophet Isaiah says in the Old Testament. Give the Lord no rest. Pray and give Him no rest until He completes the work within you. And he will. He's promised it. He who began a good work in you will complete it, will finish it. He's promised he will. You just got to ask God to burn the bridges that you can't. And I know, man, I know. I know there's some of you in the crowd right now at, at, at every campus. You're sitting there and you're like, you've got the thing in your heart that you know you're supposed to burn, but you don't know if you can do it. You've got the action step you know you're supposed to take, but you're super scared. And, and, and you know the bridges in your life that you can't burn and you have no idea how those will ever be overcome. And you're sitting there thinking, I can't do this. 
I want to tell you you can, but it, it means so much more than when a preacher says it than when the church says it. And so I actually want to do something a little bit out there right now. Is I, I want you to see that God has already worked in the lives of tons of people across this church at every campus. And so I'm going to ask you, church, to bear witness to the work of God in your life. Uh, I'm going to ask you to do something crazy at all of our campuses right now. Um, if he's freed you from addiction, I want you to stand to your feet right now and bear witness to the work of God in your life. If he saved your marriage, I want you to stand to your feet right now and bear witness to the work of God in your life. If he's freed you from the grips of greed, I want you to stand right now and bear witness. If he's changed your complaining heart and given you an attitude of gratitude instead, I want you to stand to your feet. If he's given you the strength to walk through difficult circumstances that you had no idea you'd ever be able to get through, but through his strength you did it, I want you to stand up. If he's led you through the pain and bitterness of infertility or a miscarriage, I want you to stand up and bear witness to the work of God in your life. If he's guided you through watching a child wreck their life and said, I know what it's like, stand to your feet. If he's led you through a divorce and he's given you the power to forgive and to move on, bear witness to the work of God in your life. I mean, church, look around you. I'm telling you right now, if you lack courage, let us give it to you. If you lack courage, let us loan you our courage and tell you what God has done in our life. Because what you can't do, God can. And so let's pray right now for a breakthrough, man. Let's pray that God can do what only He can do. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for saving us like you did. Thank you for your love and your grace. Thank you for a new life that we don't have to live like we used to live. We've got a new start every day. And God, we want so badly to live in that new life, to never go back. And so we know that you've given us our assignment, each and every one of us. We know what we're supposed to go burn, the bridge in our life that we're supposed to get rid of. And so we're gonna do it. We stand before you, God, and we commit. We're gonna burn that bridge this week. We're gonna do what it takes to make sure we never go back to our old selves. But God, we ask you to do what only you can do. We're praying for breakthrough in our lives. God, change our hearts from the inside out. We need you right now, and we believe you can do it. And it's in Jesus' name that the church prays together. Amen.